0: center. so many people right now um, in our church. Like we have this whole group that we're uh, ready to go on this trip and now they're, it's all kind of on hold. to see what happens and, uh, and so we're uh, get some, especially some teenage kids that they worked really hard um, for this and uh, now they're just kind of stuck at home. And so, so it's a sensitive time. It's a time that Them however we can. Uh, it's also affecting our congregation and the fact that we do have uh, those in our, our body um, who uh, are some of the most susceptible to this um, and, and can really, really hurt them if, uh, if they were to get it. Um, also others that have told me, hey, I'm not in that camp, but I take care of people that are in that camp. And, uh, and so, so they're choosing uh, wisely. themselves, or those that they care for, Um, so welcome to those of you that are online uh, watching the sermon with us, but it's just a very interesting time, and um, it's interesting in times like these how uh, God's Word really just can speak to us, Um, how it can really minister to us and encourage us. As I was working on the sermon uh, for today, uh, and actually, I was like, how does all of this fit neatly in one message together? Because there's like this part and this part, and like, how, how do I put this all together in one? And I figured it out. My problem was, I actually have two sermons today. Um, and so today, you get two for the price of one, all right? Um, and so, so we'll go through the first sermon, and then we'll get to the second sermon, all right? Both sermons apply uh, to what's going on in our world today. Um, The first sermon, uh, basically, as we've seen in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews is basically a sermon. That's what it was written as. Um, And what he's doing is uh, things we've already covered, things we've already looked at, um, he's kind of summing it all up here um, in this passage where he's putting together a lot of what we've already covered. Um, And so. And then we'll jump in. But Hebrews uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 4. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news, Failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all. So, what he's doing here is he's picking right up where he left off last week with this topic of rest. And we looked at this in great detail last week. If you were here in this that message, it'll be a lot later where you can catch up on that one if you want. But God's rest is. that's found in him uh, when we're really, we can get really worried and anxious and really been out of shape over our health or what might happen in the world, over uh, stock markets or um, other things or our travel plans or, or whatever, and we can get really caught up on these things and, and worried about these things. But ultimately, what we need is his rest, and to be honest, what he's talking about here in That's something that that is still future for those of us that are living. But if we have come to Christ in faith, then we have access to that rest even now. We have access to that peace even now. And so we can see that entering God's rest means that we have ceased to work for our own salvation, but have entered through faith in His grace and mercy. This is kind of a summation of last week's passage um, just going into this week. Talk about God's rest and what's found there, what we're saying is hey, when you rest, that means you cease to work. And so if you're working of your own accord to try to please God, to try to earn favor with Him, to try to um, mark off enough good on the good scale so that it outweighs the bad on the bad scale, then you should just give it up. Because ultimately our only hope is found in the grace of Jesus Christ where He takes care of our sin. on yourself. so when we enter God's rest, that means that we don't have to worry, we don't have to strive after things anymore, we don't have to get into of shape over stuff, because we have hope. We have hope for our, for our eternity, we have hope for our future. God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. You see, when we enter God's rest, that means that we've said, I'm done trying to do this on life. I'm done trying to work for myself in order to try to just make myself better. stuff anymore. The Hebrews, the ones that this was written to, uh, were very legalistic people that had their their set of rules and laws and all this stuff. And they are like, if I can just be good enough and if I can just keep these rules, then I'll please God. We just need to enter His rest. We just need to enter His rest through Jesus and what Jesus has done. But the fact is, what He says early on here Fact that some enter God's rest through Jesus, but others do not. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest, since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he points a certain day, today, saying, through David, so long after voice, do not harden your hearts. And this is stuff that, that he's already covered earlier. And so, what we're seeing here um, is the fact that this is the reality. The fact that, that not everyone enters this stress not everyone has the same hope. And when we understand that, then it will help us kind of understand our world a little bit more. Because for the person who doesn't have hope in Jesus, the end, depending on your worldview about Jesus. That's, whether you're an abolitionist or whatever, that's, that's kind of like, that, what's after that? There's uncertainty. And I think that's what we're seeing in our world today, is that underlying fear that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about it. But it's there. And when things like this happen, that fear kind of rises to the surface. And we see see how that is being worked out. We see um, how that, that really just shakes people. But I'm telling you, for the Christians, there's no need to fear. Because God has this. But maybe you're someone who doesn't have that peace yet. Maybe you're someone who hasn't entered that rest yet. Maybe you're someone who hasn't come to Jesus you're someone who's still striving to work for your own salvation, someone who's trying to be good enough, someone who's trying to check off all the boxes on your own. Well, if that's you, then I encourage you to know what he says right here. We've already seen him the same passage earlier back in chapter 3. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So when should you respond? When should you come to Jesus? When should you place your faith in him? thirteen and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You see, whether you are a Christian or not, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, in the end, what's going to happen? Christian, what we get to go in and say is, I messed up, like he didn't, and he covered me. In fact, what, what Scripture says is, it, it's, it's literally like we're just covered in Jesus, so that when we give an account before God, all that is seen is Jesus is perfect. try to hide in the closet, those things that you're not proud of, those things that you don't like about yourself, those things that you've done, or the way you've treated people, or the things you said, or, or whatever, it's all out there, open and exposed. And so, the thing is, you can have hope, though. You can have hope about being covered in Jesus. You can have peace by being covered in Jesus. You can enter his rest. something that you can have today. Don't harden your heart. Give it to him. Humble yourself and come to Jesus today. And so, is that something that you need to do? Is that something that you've never done in your life? And you can do it right now. All it takes is telling him, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you came and lived a sinless life for sin. That price that you paid, you can go my sin with that. But I thank you for that. And I want to make you Lord in my life. What that means is, I want whatever you want to go. If you say do this, that's what I want to do. If it's your will that I do that, that's what I want. And you can have that today. There's peace in that. There's rest in that. You don't have to worry uh, when you have that in your life. And so if that's where you are, Two. There's a very important theology in this passage that we've kind of just skimmed over as we were looking at his overall message. Like what we looked at in Sermon 1 was basically the main point of what he's saying in this. Now we're going to go back and look at some underlying things that are in this passage that are very important. chapter 4, uh, verse 7. In chapter 3, verse 7, when he's introducing it, he says this. He says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and he goes on to quote it. So he's given the Holy Spirit, uh, the third person of the Trinity, uh, the Godhead, he's given God credit for saying these words that are scripture. That's okay? so what he's doing in chapter 3. Chapter 4, he introduces the exact same passage by saying this. Says, saying through David, so long afterwards, and the words already quoted today. If you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. And so, in one place, He's saying, "Hey, the Holy Spirit says this." And then, in the right, right after that, He's saying, "And through David, this was said." And so, what's what's He saying here? And this is this affects our whole view of Scripture and how we got Scripture. Okay, is the fact that the Holy Spirit, which is God, fully God. Inspired these people to write these words. Okay? And so that's how we got Scripture. Is yes, it's, it's the words of God. But it came to us through men, like David. And so David is the human agent through which Psalm 95 was penned. But as he wrote that, as he wrote Psalm 95, he did so through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about this, it's easy to, to kind of get into to a thought, well, was it like a dictation kind of thing, right? Was it just like God coming to, to a man and dictating to him, write this down? And in some places in scripture, it is more clear like that, especially some of the Old Testament prophecies, that kind of thing. Uh, with the prophets, they specifically said, thus says the Lord, and they, they quoted what God said to them. Um, other places, it's, it's not as clearly Study it is, is, and when we study languages, is that with each person that, that God used in writing uh, his words, though, for us, he used that person, he used their experiences, he used their vocabulary, um, he used their personality. Uh, like when you, when you really get into it, like you read Paul's writings versus Peter's writings, you can just, in, in what they wrote, you can see their different personalities um, and how they wrote it. gives a lot of time and energy to all of the, the healings of Jesus and all the miracles of Jesus because that was the way his brain was wired. He was a physician, and so that was the things that really piqued his interest. And so he, he gave a lot of attention to those. And so we definitely see the human element to what is written. And that, and for some people, would make them say, oh, well, well, maybe the human element really messed it up. And say, well, see, this isn't really uh, the Word of God. This is just something that, that some guys wrote and then some other guys later looked at, it, like, hey, this is pretty good, and this is pretty good, so why don't we put this together? Uh, but that's not what it is either. Because you see, what it is, and what we're seeing here in Hebrews is the fact that the Holy Spirit is that powerful that even through messed up humans, word. His holy word that is without error. And it points, the, the fact of how we got it points me to the fact of how truthful it is. A comparison uh, would be, uh, like for, for Muslims, uh, their belief is that it uh, was more of a dictation. That their scriptures, they believe that Muhammad, uh, one guy, uh, was given these words Live by. Um, And for me, the fact that in the Bible we have so many different human authors that have written over such a long span of time, and yet it's a cohesive message. It's a cohesive message that flows together and works together, points to the fact that there's something supernatural about this. This is the work of God. This is the words of God. And that is what He to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, so Scripture was conveyed to us by men who were carried along in what they wrote by the Holy Spirit, and as such, is the perfect, inerrant Word of God. Inerrant is a the theological word that means without error. And I fully believe that. Uh, Peter, when he was explaining this concept. Um, he says in, uh, in Second Peter. 16th really good passage. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to Him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter saying? saying, i witnessed all of this. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You know, pay attention. Knowing this, first of all of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, hey, here's how, as, as he's doing it himself, he's saying, hey, here's how it happened. God's word by What he says here in Hebrews 4, verse 12, is the key verse on this topic. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the same Holy Spirit that guided these men as they wrote these words, that ho- same Holy Spirit is at work today. And if you're a Christian, he's at work, at work in you. And so as, as we look at this, the, you know, the, the terminology here, you know, it's, it's easy in our, our minds when he's talking about a double-edged sword dividing in our bodies or whatever, just a fine interpretation, a fine application. I think probably a more applicable one that was really more of what was intended here uh, would be the interpretation of battle. Uh, and saying that God's word, when it interacts with us, when it interacts with us when we are, especially when we when we are Holy Spirit working. In context, here he's talking about the ability to enter God's rest, and the Holy Spirit using His Word to help us do that. But even once we're someone that's entered that rest, sometimes we still need that sword to kind of cut it up again, because we fall back into our sinfulness. We fall back into our own. show us the truth, to take away the lies, to take away the falsehood, We need His word just to come and cut. And so, in the time that we're in, with uncertainty and worry and anxiety and stress and all these things about what's going on in the world, in the time of sickness and everything else, I thought maybe instead of ending this sermon by just talking about it, maybe we would Or so what we're going to do is just ask you just for a minute, just individually just to pray. If there's something that's heavy on you, lift that up and so say, God, I'm really struggling struggle with this right now. Whatever it is. If not, if, if, if you're like in the place where you're like the most spiritual high you've ever been, you're like me and Jesus, you're just rocking it on the Mount of Transfiguration right now, and like Peter, and we're all here together, it's, a, it's awesome. Like if that's where you are many people you know think in our world right now that, that is in kind of turmoil. So just take a minute and just speak to him and say, God, oh, here's what I'm wrestling with. Here's what i struggle this. Put that before him. And then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read some passages to you. And we're going to see how God For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, and love, and self-control. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk. Eyes on I walk. Purpose of the Lord that will stand. First Peter 5. sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Philippians 4, 11-13. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, Circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Colossians 1 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and Thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Let's pray. Right. Dear Lord, your word is powerful. Through the Holy Spirit of words that maybe we've read over a hundred times, and yet, whatever's going on in our life, you can bring those same words to mind and make them new, make them alive for us and speak to us in that situation of what's going on, and so, Lord, we praise you for that, we thank you for that, Lord, we thank you for the goodness that we find in Jesus, Lord, we thank you that even when our plans are disrupted, it's no surprise to you. That's something that you have had under control, that you have had your hand on from the beginning. And Lord, let us just rest in that truth and rest in you and rest in what you have done for us. Lord, as we sing praises to your name, let us just bring glory.